Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. Judd is back from the dead. Partially. Partially back, not completely back. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Phil. Jonathan. We thought about just doing the show from like a sterile room with no windows, but good luck to everyone in here after we're done. Or lying down. Just lying around. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? All right, Write That Down Friday. We'll uh, kick off our 2018 Write That Down season in an hour from now. Superstar Mike Morris in the noon. Uh, Todd Furman with our playoff picks at 11 o'clock. Dave's kid is sick. Everyone's sick around here. So Jonathan Harrison sitting in for Dave today. But let's get started. Breaking news this morning. Pioneer Press and then Star Tribune had uh, their own version of this story. Reggie Lynch, as of right now, and this suspension will kick in on Tuesday, Suspended through 2020 from the basketball team, from classes, from campus events. Yes. And here's the Star Tribune version of events. I'm just going to read you a few sentences. University of Minnesota men's basketball star Reggie Lynch faces suspension and a complete ban from campus until at least 2020 after a school investigation found him responsible in a sexual misconduct incident. The EOAA office which you might be familiar with from the Gopher football situation from uh, over a year ago, mm-hmm. began investigating Lynch last fall after a woman filed a complaint saying he assaulted her in his dorm room in Roy Wilkins Hall April 28, 2016. It's almost two years ago now. The U told both Lynch and his accuser that Lynch's suspension will begin Tuesday unless he appeals. If he appeals, it sounds like he'd be able to keep playing throughout the rest of the season. Yes. Uh, Lynch can request a hearing by the Student Sexual Misconduct Subcommittee if he disagrees with the finding. We're going to guess that he does disagree with the finding. Um, The SSMS would issue its own decision, and uh, this is also the second publicized alleged incident involving Lynch. Go back to May of 2016. He was actually arrested on suspicion of sexually assaulting a Mm 19-year-old. So charges, here we go. Charges not filed in that one, and, and in that case, the EOAA investigated and exonerated him. So th- this one actually predates that one, I believe, by like two, a mo- by yeah. a month or two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So uh, now P- Patino's uh, going to talk uh, today, uh, this m- morning, and give he gives a press briefing on Fridays ordinarily. So he will give that today. Uh, we'll probably find out a little bit more. And, and the question becomes this. 
Does he does he appeal and get to keep playing, or does the school say, uh-uh, the AD department say, no, you're not going to keep playing? So yeah. lots of things here, including the fact that if he is off this team, uh, this goes from being a team that we saw, I think, as a as a pretty good NCAA tournament team to a team that might struggle to make the tournament. Yeah, there, all right, there's so many things to go off of here. I mean, the basketball aspect, let's get to that in just a second here, but... Um, we're, we're shorter on information with this particular case than the football case, which involved initially 10 football players who were suspended uh, last fall, well, a year and a half ago fall. And with that story, the EOAA report had leaked. KSTP had obtained the EOAA report. Yes. It leaked, and we were able to read what wound up being not fully accurate or not fully uh, objective details, but we had details to read. More information. We, we don't have. We're short on information in this case. Yes. It doesn't sound like charges were pressed by the woman, but much like the football story, it's worth noting that the bar for proof mm-hmm. or the bar for information needing for convicting someone in a court of law is much higher than getting someone suspended from school for violating a code of conduct. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and again, this is a leftover incident from the, both the Reggie Lynch incidents are from almost two years ago. And this is before, and, and not not that this, not to right. like exonerate him. But it him, predates but the arrest. It, it predates the arrest and the athletic department. Remember, about a year, year and a half ago, the athletic department, and specifically the Gopher basketball team, yep. after all of those incidents in the spring two years ago, they went much further down the road of educating athletes. So this is, if you're the Gopher basketball team and you thought, okay, we spent all that time educating our players, and maybe Reggie Lynch has been on his best behavior for a year, but that doesn't get him off the hook for this incident from a couple years ago. I've got some free advice for student-athletes, by the way. Yeah. And I don't mean to be flippant about this. I'm actually serious about this. If you go to Google, so forget about going through all the paperwork that they handed you as a student-athlete or even just a student. If you're a journalism student, they gave you a code of conduct when you signed up to go to school at the U of M. It's, it's pam- like this for every it's school. It's a pamphlet, It's basically. a pamphlet. But you know what? If you're like me and you're like everyone else, you probably throw away the pamphlet. So go to Google. And you can Google University of Minnesota Student Conduct Code, Section 4, Disciplinary Offenses, Subdivision 8, Sexual Misconduct. Mm-hmm. It clearly lays out what behavior you're allowed to partake in, what the red flags are. Read it. Mm-hmm. It's an easy read. It's it, The whole conduct code is eight pages. You told the football team the same thing, too. The whole thing. Okay. Affirmative. Hopefully they took your advice this time around. I'm just going to read you two sentences from the sexual misconduct portion of this, okay? Have this on you at all times before you act like a jackass in a dorm room. Affirmative consent is freely and affirmatively communicated words or actions given by an informed individual that a responsible, that a reasonable person would believe communicate a willingness to participate in the sexual contact. The Board of Regents also added the word sober to its definition yes. of a reasonable person. Which is a big, Read big deal Read it a hundred times before Here, you act like a jackass. Here's why I think he might be gone completely starting right now. And, and while he can appeal uh, for his own good, given the current climate that we are in, and it's very sad that it's taken this many steps to get there. But we are in a climate where to- where tolerance is is at an all-time low right now. Given the fact that, that this athletic department, as of, what, two and a half years ago or so, was based on your AD being a complete creeper himself and a predator, I think there's a very good chance that Mark Coyle says, uh-uh, you can appeal, but you ain't playing here. Yeah. I, I think there's a very good chance. If they bring him back now, 
and, and this might not even be fair to him, but I'm just saying, with the climate that we're in now, if Lynch appeals and you bring him back and introduce him and say he's still playing for you, What's the message? Yeah, you're right. Right I mean, or wrong, what's the message? I agree with your point. Timing, for, well, first of all, there's never an acceptable I, time to commit no, sexual misconduct. To, but tolerance I agree with is you. way, to, tolerance matters. has never been like, like it is right now, and it's very sad. But we are at a state where if you bring a guy back and introduce him to 10,000 fans and say he's starting at center for you, what message are you sending as we sit here right now? Yeah, I think I think to your point, you have you have a convergence of, of two different things here. As far as bad timing, and again, there's never a good time to commit sexual yeah, misconduct yes. or assault. But, uh, but number one, you're coming off of this era of Gopher athletics with Norwood Teague, and whether it's the sexual harassment or some of the other Gopher basketball cases or the Gopher wrestling pill popping under the you know, underground business, you're trying to clean all of that up in the athletic department from two, three, four, five years ago. So that's that's bad timing. Number one, bad timing. Number two is the climate you mentioned. Uh, and so if you don't punish to the fullest extent when talking about sexual misconduct in today's climate, both as a country and as the Gopher Athletic Department, you're going to get hammered. Absolutely. So I'm kind of with you, even if, if I'm Mark you can Coyle, make a case if you're Reggie Lynch, well, I've got this evidence here. It looks really bad if he plays the rest of the year in this particular climate. But we don't have all the details either. Agreed, agreed. But but if I'm Mark Coyle right now today, from a perception standpoint, I don't think I can afford to just say keep playing. Yeah, this is... It's a sad story, but I'm I'm just... Mark Coyle was brought here to clean this entire thing up, and this, and if you now make exceptions for Lynch, where do you sort of stop? Uh, from a basketball standpoint, well, if he's is- done, they're cooked. I mean, they're they they have five viable players as it is right now, and he is. I don't think he's going to get drafted, but he's one of the best defensive rim protecting big men in the country. He's been better about staying out of foul trouble on the court, uh, and his and, and the gap between his. His ability and his replacement is as wide as anyone on the team. Oh my God! I mean, you you are you are you now starting Bakari Kanata, or do you just say we're going to have to play with four? We work for Alabama. Entire thing. I play with three at this point. Go look at the Alabama film and play with three. Who starts at center? Then you start Murphy at center. Bring somebody else to start in at a power forward. I don't know what you do. So, but uh, yes. So if you're if you're just joining, and 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 Judd mentioned it off the top, Richard Pitino is scheduled to speak because they have a game on Saturday, right? Against is it Indiana at home Mm -hmm. on Saturday? So Mm -hmm. his regularly scheduled media appearance. He usually talks the day before a game, and so he was scheduled to talk in the eleven o'clock hour today. And uh, we may we may try to carry part of that live. I don't know how much he's going to be able to say, but I guess, and you brought this up before the show, I guess if they know more information, it's possible he could come out and just say, yeah, Reggie Lynch is off the team. Exactly. Uh, which is, they did that with Daquan McNeil a yeah, few years ago. That go, was a criminal investigation. It was, and, and they, they aren't, um, they, they won't go into detail, but if, if Mark Coyle has come to Patino and said, that's it, he's done, they can at least tell you that. Yeah. So that so more information coming. If you're just joining us, again, uh, th- we're reading this from the Star Tribune. Pioneer Press had it. Uh, U of M men's basketball star Reggie Lynch faces suspension and a complete ban from campus until at least 2020 after a school investigation found him responsible in a sexual misconduct incident. Uh, so he can appeal it. If he doesn't appeal, we're, we assume he's going to appeal. If he doesn't appeal, the suspension starts on Tuesday and it goes until 2020 at least. And if he does appeal, we don't know if he's going to be able to play. It sounds like he might be able to play, but just another story in a long line of stories over 20 years sabotaging, self-sabotaging. Yes, it's Gophers the, it's, Athletics. Yes, yeah.
So it just keeps coming though. Um, you know, we're so we should we should almost come back and get to some of this wild stuff from last night. So Nino Niederreiter comes back, flips fantastic. a hat trick, and you and I have already set some ground rules for our show. We've got our jersey ground rules, yeah. your rules for being a fan and being a Minnesota sports fan. We may have another violation of the video Let's, tribute I was guidelines. Say, the wild needs to be reined in, <laughs> Phil Mackey. It's that simple. We need to provide help. We've done it before. We'll do it again. So Mackey and Judd, we're both. Everyone who steps in the studio this week has gotten sick. So Judd missed Is yesterday. Sick yet? I don't know, man. Such has no. The Such has no chance. So we're. I think a lot of Dave Harrigan's kid is sick, so he's out. Jonathan Harrison's in. Uh, so we're all just trying to not pass out here, but we're going to have fun. <laughs> Write that down at 10 o'clock. The Star Tribune is going to unveil, and they already put a teaser on their website in the newspaper for this, the top 10 Vikings of all time. We've done that list before a couple years ago. Let's bring it back later on this hour. And if you guys have thoughts on, I know that we're lacking information here, but thoughts on the Reggie Lynch news, we can keep phone lines open all hour. 651-646-8255, 877-615-1340. It's Mackie and Judd. Real quick, let's just recap real quick, because I know there's a lot of people probably in horrible jam traffic and maybe didn't have a chance to read the news this morning, but uh, we're reading this account from Judd's old place of employment, the Star Tribune. Reggie Lynch, starting this coming Tuesday, unless he appeals, and we we think that he will, but we haven't heard anything from Reggie Lynch or the U of M yet. Richard Pitino scheduled to speak in about two hours. He faces suspension until at least 2020 and a complete ban from campus after a school investigation found him responsible in a sexual misconduct incident. Um, Lynch can request a hearing by the Student Sexual Misconduct Subcommittee if he disagrees with the finding. And then uh, it says Thursday's finding will not take effect if Lynch requests a hearing. So Mm -hmm. we assume um, unless a Mark Coyle or somebody steps in, but they have a process in place here. Uh, This is the second publicized alleged incident involving Reggie Lynch, who was arrested uh, last year on suspicion of sexually assaulting a 19-year-old. Both of those instances came in the same month span of 2016. And there's a lot of people, I don't want to like, I don't want to go too deep on this because it's all sort of hearsay, uh, but there are advocates. There's a woman we saw retweeted by a WCCO reporter. There are, there's more smoke here and there are people saying that it's not just two accounts, that it might be more than that. Uh, sexual misconduct by Reggie Lynch. I could, I suppose it, you could easily see a um, situation today where where what transpires is the Gophers say he's going to appeal, and, and until his appeal is heard, he, he won't play. Because that then covers the basketball team as being as not as not a- allowing a guy who, who's been been suspended once now to yeah. play again. But not saying he's done here. Yeah, and, and we and we would, that I, might make the most sense just if, if you're Coil and the athletic department. Yeah, this is all where like this is where you go back to that football story from a year and a half ago. Uh, it's so hard. I can see, if you put yourself in the shoes of a Mark Coil or somebody. Um, so there's 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 no criminal investigation that we know of for this particular case. There was one for the other case around the same time from a year and a half ago. Yes, I don't think he should play tomorrow. But let's say the—my guess is the appeals process will be pretty swift. The appeals process for the football investigation was done within about two months. I believe that took place—the the news came out before the bowl game in December, and then the appeals process took place in, like, January or February. I don't recall. I thought it played out o- over a fairly lengthy time period. So, but, you know, this is—but but, but two, obviously— Two months sports-wise takes—is a, a long time. 
But well, but but that doesn't and that doesn't matter. Right, right, right. No, but but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, do you want him if if you are running that, that this athletic department, Phil? Do you want him continuing to play for your team while he has been suspended and, and is now appealing? And this is not a, a pro sports appeal of I cheated and I'm appealing and, and can still play. Yeah, I think I think the hard part here is, and and it's the same thing for the football investigation. To what degree has Reggie Lynch or anyone in his spot been able to voice their side of the story? If the investigation finds X, Y, and Z, yes. and then issues a recommended plan and recommends a, a punishment, and 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 most of that information is coming from one side, if Reggie Lynch doesn't get an opportunity to tell his side of the story, and I and I'm not saying I, my guess is where there's smoke, there's fire here. Um, is it fair to? punish somebody before they're able to tell their side of the story, and that's where it gets complicated right. here. But I would not play except him tomorrow this. under any circumstances. Except for this. We don't know a ton here. But but the brutal truth is this. Athletic departments and sports programs and sports teams and businesses are going to be guided by several things. And one of those things is, as I talked about before, current climate. Right or wrong, you're guided by it. Mm-hmm. If this is 1976... Guess what? He appeals, and I think there's a good chance they say Reggie Lynch is appealing this, and he will continue to be a golden gopher. Sky, you must see you later. Actually, if it's, okay? ni- if it's 1976, he, it doesn't even get to this point, right. probably. But yeah, you're right. So, but my point is, one thing that's going to have to guide this program, and Mark Coyle was hired here specifically to clean up this program. And and since uh, Coyle has been brought on, the climate in this country has changed again, too. And so I don't see if you just want to think about this as a bottom line business decision that's going to make you look as good as possible. And it might cost you wins. It probably will. But that's going to make you look as good as possible to your fan base, to your corporate sponsors who are incredibly important to the outside world. I think what you do right now is you sit down and say, this guy cannot play for us again unless he is completely yeah. e- exonerated, at which point he might say, I'm done here. But if he does, that, I think, is worth it to cover yourself. I, I want to I read one tweet here before we get to some of this wild stuff from last night. Uh, you found this. Mary McGuire is a reporter from uh, WCCO-TV, and she retweeted an account from a woman named Abby, who, uh, according to her Twitter profile, is a University of Minnesota grad, and it's it looks like an advocate for, or an, uh, an advocate against sexual misconduct and assault. And she says, I'm just going to read her tweet, Gophers Athletics knew about Reggie Lynch and his behavior from the beginning. Now, from the beginning, does that mean from two years ago, from, from mean, high school? Does it from the time you transferred in? I don't know what that that's nebulous. All right. I literally sat down with them last year and brought it to their attention even further. They know there are multiple victims. They knew about this active report. They still did nothing. Well, they've done something because there's an investigation, internal investigation, that has recommended he is banned from campus and suspended through 2020. Did they know a year and a half ago and then they failed to go to uh, administration? Did they fail to go to the, you know, the, um, is it the, EO, what's the um, EOAA? The EOAA. Yeah. Did, you know, I, this, there's a lot of holes in the, in the process here that we just won't be able to fill in unless somebody breaks a story or unless more information comes out. This is a really tough one. Um, here's where we're at, in, in my opinion, right now today. And 
I don't, this is so tough. If somebody is accused of something, accused, should they immediately be suspended from the sport? Now, now, if the school had gone to her and said, okay, you are absolutely correct. He's not going to play basketball until the the hearings ha- have been done. He can attend class. He can go to school here, but he will not play. I think that's what people want. Not everybody, but some. And and what makes this conversation so difficult is, is that correct? Yeah. Um, here's another update. Eric Shalou from KSTP, our friend Eric Shalou from uh, downstairs in the, the KSTP 5 Eyewitness News uh, newsroom. He tweeted an hour ago, he's reporting this, the university's EOAA office began misconduct investigation into Gopher basketball player Reggie Lynch in mid-October. Mm-hmm. So just three months ago, in mid-October. So I think the woman that we read the tweet from is saying, hey, they've known about this guy's behavior for a long time. They've known that he's had some some brush-ups and some some shady behavior here. And they knew there were multiple victims. And she said from the beginning, I need to know what that timeline is. Is she saying that, hey, the Gopher basketball team, from Richard Pitino to uh, to to Mark Coyle and company, is she saying that, hey, they actively covered something up for a year and a half, and then eventually the investigation started taking place in October? Because that's a that's a pretty strong accusation. That that's what it sounds like she's saying. I don't want to put words uh, on her Twitter account. I can't tell from that tweet. But this is all hopefully going to flush itself out over the the coming weeks. So if you're if you're just tuning in, Reggie Lynch, as of right now, suspended for allegations of sexual misconduct and banned from campus through 2020, starting on Tuesday, pending an appeal. And uh, we don't know if he appeals. We we aren't 100 percent sure if he's going to be able to play. And hopefully, Richard Pitino answers some of those questions in a couple hours. All right then. Start transition. On to the second item of our opening bell from 20 Which will be much more ago. fun than that last one. Those two again battle for the puck. Koivu got it out front. They score! It's the hat trick! Niederreiter on the feed from Zucker. Three goals in his return, and it's 4 0 Minnesota. Uh, no, they got two goals. But I mean, it was, you know, I mean, <laughs> we played, we played good. Um, I still think that uh, we could have done some things. I mean, positionally, territorially, I didn't think we were we were great. But uh, we, when we shot the puck, it went in. This is why I love boots. All right. So you so you play Buffalo last night and win what seven to two? Is that correct? You beat them six to two. All right. So the first question to him is the obligatory. This is what you've wanted to see all season, right, Boots? Entire team intact, six goals. Bujo, who can't help himself, who who will never just give you the, you know what, this is exactly what we've wanted all year long, and it's fantastic, is thinking to himself, all right, first of all, we just played Buffalo. Buffalo don't give a damn. Buffalo not good. The other thing that that answer and and between his response of of the choice of words and also the tone of of his voice, which I would describe as one of trepidation, was very much. Let's see if we can do this for a week now. Let's see if we can actually because well, you're not going to score seven goals a game no, for a week. No, but I'm saying, but I'm saying a complete game like that. The last two games, the Wilds played well, but you played a Florida team. That got here, and I think thought to themselves, how quickly can we get back on that plane to go home? And Buffalo's just not good. And so Boudreaux's response last night I absolutely loved because he's thinking to himself, 
let's see this type of consistency for a week. Let's see it for two weeks. I saw tweets last night about, you know, this is the Wilds intact and this is exactly how they can play. All right, so let's see it for an extended period of time. Well, let's I, not all get excited about one win against Buffalo. And I've always fought you on the fact that consistency is such a nebulous term in sports, period, because even 300 hitters are going to hit 210 in a month and then 400 in another month. And hockey, when you're talking about the best scorers in hockey are still only cashing in like 12 or 15% of their shots, consistency is a really hard thing to demand in sports. My question to you is, so Nino comes back, rolls out of bed and scores a bunch of goals last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's up to 13 goals, 30 games, and and he's presumably healthy going forward. Mm Mm-hmm. His career high is 25 in a full season last year. He's been a 20-goal guy the last few years, a ton of potential. He's 25 years old. How likely is it that Nino Niederreiter can be the rising star player, get to that next level that the Wild probably needs down the stretch this year and the next several years? Boudreaux answers that question on the third soundbite right there. Yeah, well, when he goes into the droughts, he starts doing stuff differently. He doesn't go to the net. He doesn't uh, play physical. But when he plays in straight lines, and we've had this talk, and and goes to the net, and uh, uh, you know is sort of a little bit of a uh, disturber, then he's involved in the game, and and he's great. And I mean that's what he did. He first goal he went in the in the slot, planted himself. Second goal he went to the net, got it. You know, I mean, uh, I can't remember what the next one was, but I mean it's all about going to the net for him and shooting the puck. There you go. Well, what do you think? That's absolutely perfect. Uh, do you think he can? Do you think he can get to a, to another level and sort of carry I think he's this clo- team? Uh, carry this team might be a little bit far fetched, but he is definitely uh, of that young group. He's the the guy that I like the most, and the stats back back him, him up. He is he has the potential to be a very good player for a long time. One thing too, real quick. So but but Boudreaux's response is exactly right. If he drives to the net, he's got the size. He can be really effective. If you've been in the league for parts of seven years, he was. Just kind of cups of coffee when he was 18, 19-ish years old. Mm-hmm. And then he had, he had kind of a weird falling out with the Islanders, and that's when he came over here. Mm-hmm. So he, But he's been in the league for better for chunks of seven years and for basically five full years, and he's 25 years old. I am done using the word young next to Nino Niederreiter. I'm done using the word young next to Mikhail Granlin. I get that, like in the grand scheme of right. life, when you're 25, but- you're pretty young. But in hockey terms, if you've if you've played three hundred fifty five career right. games, but they were you're not that, young anymore. But they were that crop. That next crop, it started. That that next crop has started to gain some some separation with guy. I mean, Nino to me is at the top of it. Granlin has moments where he looks absolutely brilliant still, and it drives you crazy because you don't see that enough. Coyle is way too up and down and up and down, but. If you want to see uh, uh, what Boudreaux is talking about in that first soundbite, evidence of that, watch last night's game and then go back and watch the first round playoffs series loss to the Blues last year. Watch how they drive to the net. That was the biggest gripe, and it's because the Blues defenders were big. So the Wild basically tried to create shots, but they didn't drive back to the net. What they did last night is what you need to do all of the time. You need to be, but it's it sucks. It's hard. You get hit. It hurts. It, but that's too bad. Running the ball in football sucks. Exactly. But you got to do it. But that's what. But but when I talk about consistency, that's what I'm talking about. A willingness to consistently go and get rebounds. If you watch those Blues games, Allen made a lot of unbelievable first saves. But guess what? He didn't have to make second saves because they because the Blues got the puck and cleared it immediately. 
Last night's game is what the Wild can do when they are willing to drive to the net. Unfortunately, that was against a bad team. Let's see it against good teams. Yeah. Uh, later on, we definitely have to get to, did they really do a video tribute for We've these guys? We've got to talk about this. And Paul Pierce had some comments on, on this, too, that are absolutely spot on. So we'll we'll do that. But let's change gears here. Let's. Uh, I, we did this a couple years ago. The Star Tribune is bringing it back for their own platforms for the Super Bowl lead-up here. The top 10 Vikings of all time. And uh, my my list has maybe been tweaked a little bit since the last time we did this, but let's uh, let's veil our top ten Vikings of all time. Write that down, predictions. The first write that down session of 2018 at 10 o'clock. Todd Furman will help us with our NFL picks this weekend at 11 o'clock, and then the superstar Mike Morris in studio, and we'll keep you posted on any new developments surrounding the Reggie Lynch accusations and uh, the Reggie Lynch pending suspension. Reggie Lynch, star gopher basketball defensive player, one of the best shot blockers in the country, starting Tuesday will be suspended from all basketball activities and banned from campus through 2020, pending an appeal. Richard Pitino set to speak in about an hour and a half. It's Mackie and Judd. Their defense at home has only given up 12 points per game, best in the NFL. They've only given up eight touchdowns at home, fewest in the NFL. They're only giving up 240 yards Good numbers. Per fewest in the NFL. I don't think anybody can beat the Vikings in Minnesota. That's uh, Peter Schrager excited He's earlier really this week. really excited about that. About the Vikings and Vikings defense. Uh, Judd is back. Later on, we're going to loop Judd in on the uh, the talker that Collar and I dove into about the Vikings quarterbacks going forward and get your thoughts on that. But the Star Tribune is going to unveil their top 10 greatest Vikings players leading up to the Super Bowl. And uh, Mark Craig put his on Twitter yesterday. Andrew Kramer, who is, I think he's like in his mid to late 20s, omitted Fran Tarkenton from his top 10 list that I saw on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional or if he just forgot to put Fran Tarkenton. It's a hot on the list. take, possibly. Could have been. I'd like to hear more explanation. But it up. Let's give our updated top 10 greatest all Vikings right. of all time list. In all fact, right. hold, let me make it official here. Let me find some uh, some fitting music for us here. Okay. Oh, I like it. All right. Omitted from my list, I, I will start out off by telling you this. My first two omissions, Paul Krause, Ron Yeri, Hall of Famers. This list wow, is Paul very, Krause is on This is list. very difficult. Number 10 on my list is uh, is the guy who I believe Bud Grant called the greatest Viking of all time. Not in the Hall of Fame, Jim Marshall, okay. number 10. Number 9, and I've seen him on some of the uh, Stribs guys list uh, much higher, but I will have him at 9, Mick Tinglehoff. Went into the Hall of Fame, what, last year? Center for the Vikings from 61 to, if I'm not mistaken, 79 or so. Yeah, he, he played almost. Tingle. He played till he was like 38 years yeah. old. Well, Marshall played till he was in his 40s. Yes, I, in fact, yeah. Jim Marshall played from uh, 61 for the expansion Vikings <laughs> until I believe it was 79 as well. Anyway, so Marshall, number 10. Tinglehoff, number 9. Number 8 on my list, also Hall of Famer, Johnny Randall. Number 7, Chris Carter. Number six, Randall McDaniel, who uh, who if, if you, you saw him play for an extended period of time, you gained an appreciation with that goofy stance, just what an athletic freak he was, and what a great talent. So 10 through 6, Marshall, Tinglehoff, Randall, Carter, and Randall McDaniel. Number five, Adrian Peterson. Wow. Is number five on my wow. list. Wow. Okay. Too, too low or too high? I'll tell you in a couple minutes. Number four... Part of the Purple People Eaters, Carl Eller. 
number three on my list, and one, two, and three, you can debate the order they're in, but to me, you cannot debate that they are one, two, three. Number three, Randy Moss changed the game. He changed the game. So even if you're like, well, he was a jerk and I didn't like it doesn't matter. Randy Moss came in, in here and he changed he changed the sport to a certain degree. And keep in mind too, when Randy Moss arrived here in 98, the Vikings fan base had gotten old and tired. The Metrodome was not loud. I wouldn't say that people didn't like the Vikings, but I, I sensed a, a sort of a they were, had become sort of boring to people. Randy Moss changed all of that. They were very much like the wild has turned into the last few years where like they're good enough to get to the playoffs, but they're a one and done team. That's what they were throughout the mm-hmm. entire nineties until Randy Moss arrived. And Randy also, uh, he, he is responsible. I think for a fan base that didn't exist previously. I think the fan base that, that existed until he came here was very much the old, old Vikings fans. And if they had kids, their kids might like the Vikings, Randy Moss and the way he played actually got fans who didn't care to start watching. Number two, Francis Tarkington, the uh, greatest quarterback in team history and one of the great quarterbacks of all time. And number one, Alan Page. Alan Page was the National Football League's MVP in 1969. Defensive tackle, who was the MVP of the entire league. That is completely crazy. So my uh, my top ten Vikings of all time, Alan Page, Fran Tarkington, Randy Moss, Carl Eller, Adrian Peterson, number five. Randall McDaniel, Chris Carter, Johnny Randall, Mick Tinglehoff, Jim Marshall, Kraus and Yeri left off, which was not easy to do. Uh, so, yeah, I, there's there's five guys in my honorable mention section. There could probably mo- be more than that, too. Like uh, At the very, very fringe, I would put Chuck Foreman, Jared Allen, and even a rising Harrison Smith. There's guys like that that if, like, Harrison Smith eventually maybe makes this list, but he's got to do it for a few more years before you can put him on this list. Ron Yeri and Carl Eller are my biggest snubs. And I feel bad. Carl Eller was my first ever interview in this business as a seven-year-old. You left him off, and I had him at number four. Yep. That's because Adrian Peterson's number 10 on my list. Okay. And I put him much lower than you do, which is, I'm surprised, because you've mostly been anti-Peterson for a long time. Uh, As long as I've been working with you, you've been anti-Peterson. Like, in terms of... right. His effectiveness uh, as but a team I, player. And... I covered him on, on a daily basis in his glory years, and that athletic ability was sure. off the charts. But everyone on this list has sure, but I'm just saying, great athletic ability. I, I'm in influenced by, by the fact that I saw him during his greatest years on a daily basis. I think he's individually great, but not influential. You hand the ball off to him, and he's great at just taking it and going. The impact that had on the team wasn't quite the impact that a quarterback would have or that some of these defensive players we're talking about would have. So, yes, he's one of the 10 greatest Vikings. I put him lower because, really, like, when he was the focal point of the team, the only year they had meaningful success was the year that Brett Favre came in and elevated everything to a new level. So, Peterson, number 10. Number 9, John Randall. One of the great rags-to-riches stories in the NFL. If you haven't seen his NFL Network special yet, it was on a couple weeks ago. Uh, a Football Life, John Randall. Highly recommended. It's incredible. John Randall, number nine on the list. Paul Krause, I have. You had him as a snub. I have him number eight. Mm-hmm. And actually, tried. I tried to find a way to put him a little higher, but it's really hard. He's a safety. Uh, did he play cornerback, too, or was it just safety? Safety, I think. Well, safety his whole career. But 81 career interceptions yep. over a lengthy career. Paul Krause. Hall of Famer. Number eight. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Maybe the most talented, greatest offensive lineman in the history of 
the franchise in terms of just sheer size and ability to move other 300-pound humans out of the way, Randall McDaniel, and he was the best offensive lineman on the greatest offense in NFL history at that time, 1998. Randall McDaniel, number seven. Chris Carter, number six. Maybe the greatest hands in NFL history, at least top three. Mm-hmm. So I never saw Mick Tinglehoff play. In fact, I never saw a lot of these guys on the on the list coming up play. But but Mick Tinglehoff is number five. When you play in the NFL at a premium position for almost two full decades, and you're a part of multiple NFC winning teams, you're going to rank pretty high on my list. So I'm putting Mick Tinglehoff number five, even though I never saw him play a game. Uh, Jim Marshall, again, longevity matters to some extent. I think impact and star power or, or just like how good you were at your peak matters more than longevity, but Jim Marshall has both. He played until he was in his early 40s. He never missed games. He's one of the key cogs to one of the greatest defenses of all time, the Purple People Leaders. He's number four on my list. And you and I have the same top three, but in a different order. Mm-hmm. Randy Moss is number three, just like you have. Mm-hmm. Top two or three receiver of all time in the NFL. Greatest receiver in Vikings history. Yeah, Chris Carter may have had more catches here and there, and Chris Carter played longer as a Viking, but Randy Moss was more impactful as a Viking. Like you said, rejuvenated the franchise and the league in a lot of ways. People people credit Peyton Manning and the Peyton Manning era for opening up this gateway of passing offenses. You could almost make a case that Randy Moss was the true gateway to, to passing exploding in the late 90s, early 2000s in the NFL. Um, number two, Alan Page. You could, I mean, I wouldn't split hairs if you wanted to put Page number one, which you did. Alan Page, the best player, according to people who saw him, I did not see him play. The best player on one of the greatest defenses of all time. And yep. number one, the most influential position and the greatest at that position in franchise history. And one of the greats of that era, too. It's pretty much Fran Tarkenton, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach. You could find another couple guys. Uh, Fran Tarkenton, number one. So Tarkenton, Page, Moss, Marshall, Tinglehoff, Carter, Randall McDaniel, Paul Krause, John Randall, and Adrian Peterson. It's funny because four through ten are are somewhat debatable at times. One, two, and three aren't to me. Because you could put, like, if someone said, oh, no, Carl Eller over John Randall, I'd say... Okay. Yeah. Right. But I grew up in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. And and I I, I could e- easily take uh, someone off of my my bottom five and put Kraus in, but I would not budge from my top three. I could redo them, but I couldn't change. Tarkington, Page, and Moss to me are just heads and tails when when it comes to influence on the franchise to what they did. Yeah. The other thing too, and it's you know football is much more of. I don't think you can just lean on stats, especially for defensive players, but it is kind of nice that players from the 80s all the way up until now, defensive players, like I can I can think in my head and remember how great I think John Randall was just watching him play and then cross-reference by looking at all the sacks he had. Yeah, that validates yeah. it. Look at all those sacks. I can't do that with Jim Marshall, Alan Page, because they didn't track how? sacks until like the early 80s. 82. How did this league do that? Like of all, I get that there are a lot of stats that it took a long time to to adopt. But wouldn't you thought somebody in who who was tracking football stats in let's say the forties or fifties would have said, you know what we should do? If a defensive player gets to the quarterback, we should track that. Or how about this? I mean, those games were all televised. You know, I, 
Were there games in the 70s that weren't televised? Those games were all televised. I right think the somebody's gone back and done this, by the way. But why wouldn't they update those on the official pages? I have, I don't know. Go but go figure s- out how many sacks did Alan Page but is, have. But is, you know? but is sacks like the stat where you're like, yeah, it's mildly important? No. I mean, football, yeah. defensive conversations are built around how many sacks did a guy have. Right. Could you imagine if you're watching baseball in today's era? Man, John Carlos Stanton hit a ton. He hit almost 60 home runs last year. I wonder if anyone's ever done that before. <laughs> Oh, we didn't start tracking home runs until 1982. There's a babe. This Babe Ruth guy could hit a ball a mile, though. RBI but, just uh, but we didn't, didn't track that important. I mean, guys would score on hits. Who really cared? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, Want to get your thoughts on the Vikings quarterback future? We discussed this on yesterday's show when you were down for the count with a 101 fever. Your Jordan flu game knocked you out for game six. Still not feeling that great today. Um, my scalp hurts. Sort of weird. Like my scalp hurts. Like it itches or what do you That's mean? Sort of, no, it's like sort of achy, but it's not a headache. I can't I can't describe this. It's very odd. That's one of the main symptoms for pancreatic cancer. Well, then, then let's I'll go see, to WebMD in this next then I'll segment. see you later. Thanks a lot for that. 1500 ESPN visits St. Paul, the city of St. Paul, and Wells Fargo invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoors, artificially chilled ice skating rink in downtown St. Paul at Rice Park. Open seven days a week and located in the heart of the city, Winter Skate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events. Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan's in for Dave because everyone's sick around here. Uh, Dave's kid is sick. Right. I'm sick. You're sick. Your Jonathan family's not sick. even safe from the germs yeah. in the studio, apparently. No. I've, I'm going to quarantine myself from my kid until I get home. And you should quarantine yourself from me and Judd, too. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, do that. Gl- that's why, yeah, there's, I don't get near that's why there's glass here, but I'm not allowing myself near my kid exactly. for probably about 24 hours. Uh, Jonathan, by the way, he is uh, our trusted producer of Vikings Vent Line, which is going to come back uh, by week this week because the Vikings have one. We're going to come back for the playoffs. And also, you can find Jonathan producing and chiming in on uh, the Crafty Rogues podcast. If you're into uh, Minnesota United FC or EPL or just two guys with funny accents cracking jokes for an hour, the Crafty Rogues with our guy John Cosgrove and, and Stephen Quinn. It's good stuff. So check out our podcast network at 1500ESPN.com. Um, yesterday, we're going to get to write that down, predictions in about 10 minutes. Yesterday, Matthew Collar came in in relief of uh, ailing Judd here, and we talked about the future of the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And he said, he just very simply said, I want to come back and explain why we were in a commercial break. I want to come back and explain why I would bring Sam Bradford back. And so we fired up the hot take police. Uh, we turned it into an episode. But at the end of the conversation, I agree. Sam Bradford, as a backup, we should we should distinguish this. Because I don't think anyone in the league would invest starter money for a guy who's right. missed half the games the last five years. So that's an important distinction here. But Sam Bradford... The last year in change with the Vikings has played basically a full season's worth of games. Now, he's also missed basically a full season's worth of games. But in the games that he's played in, basically a full season's worth of games. 4,200 yards, 72% completions, which is an NFL record, 23 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, mm-hmm. a 101.1 passer rating. Those numbers would be top 5 in the NFL this season with Brady, Breeze, Carson Wentz having an MVP season. So... Um, if you could go to him and say, all right, listen, the going rate for an established starting quarterback is like a million to a million and a half dollars per game. So 16 to $25 million per game. You miss about half the games. Let's be honest, Sam. Mm-hmm. Since 2013, you miss about half the games. You're not showing up to work. 
But when you do show up to work, we really like you. <laughs> Your we, work days are awesome when you can right. do them. So we'd like to give you money for the days you do show up to work. Mm-hmm. And if we then use you for the other days, we can incentivize you coming in for those days and playing quarterback for our team. Mm-hmm. If you could bring Sam Bradford back for like $5 million base, highest paid backup in the league, with incentives if he starts, either because the starter gets injured or he's just better. And then you can either bring back Case Keenum at a reasonable price, unless somebody wants to pay him $20 million, Yeah, that's not going to happen. Or Bridgewater comes back, and now it's a Bridgewater-Bradford. And if it's Bridgewater-Bradford, you're probably paying less for the quarterback position than you are this year. Mm-hmm. You're paying over $20 million for your quarterbacks this year if you combine the three of them. Mm-hmm. So we almost, we started with Bradford and kind of built it around that. Alex Smith might be available for like a third-round pick. If you're looking for a trustworthy guy who can... Playing a West Coast offense. Here's my problem. I, I think Bradford's done. I think that knee is done. I think he can... He practiced two days this week. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he can come back and probably maybe get through a training camp, but I think you're always going to, to come back to the fact that he's had ACL surgery on that left knee twice, and now he's got problems which are going to be chronic. I think he's fried. So, in the perfect world of, okay, he's going to be fine, I might consider that. Uh, but I think you would be signing a guy who is going to be a guy who, if he gets out there for any extended period of time, is going to be limping around and gimping around and basically have to uh, take more time off. So, so, But that's as a starting quarterback, that'd be a huge problem. Yeah, but as a backup— But if I, he's holding a clipboard— Right, but I— one, I think in this league, because the desperation to find a quarterback is so high that somebody's going to come to him with, with an offer that's going to be more than you would want to pay him, which— won't surprise me. Uh, I think in a perfect world, what I do is I go to Teddy. I get Teddy back. Uh, now this is pr- the only problem. There is do does a team like the Jets come along and and make him an offer where you're like whoa 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 that's way too much. But I think if I if I had to prioritize it, what I would do is work on getting Teddy back and signing him to a reasonable contract and saying, okay, this time around, now prove it, and if you do, we're going to bring you back the next time on a long-term big deal. Um, I also go back to Case, and I say, what's it, what's it going to take here? I think Keenum, I think somebody's going to come along with stupid cash for Keenum. In which case... I agree. In which case, I sort of like what you and Matthew then broached, which would be, can you make a trade for or find a, a good short-term starter... Um, who if so if Teddy has some problems or can't play immediately could be the guy if, if Smith comes in and can play a year uh, I would not bring back Bradford though because I really think that Bradford's just cooked you know so a- people hear Alex Smith and they're like oh my god you guys Alex Smith well Alex Smith West Coast quarterback fairly conservative he's not Tom Brady he's not Aaron Rodgers uh, but he's kind of figured out the last few years how to uh, how to be efficient how to keep the interceptions down. He's given you better production this year than Case Keenum even gave the Vikings, and he doesn't have the same defense to work with. In fact, the Chiefs' defense was kind of a dumpster fire for the second half of the season. So if the question becomes stupid money for Case Keenum, which I would classify as like around $20 million a year, and that would be if Mike Glennon made like 15, Case Keenum's going to make close yep. to 20 starting starting in March. Yep, That's what's going to happen. Yep. So if you have to decide if you're going to, I'm fine with devoting $20 million to the quarterback position, but I want to be smart about it too. If Alex Smith, who's 33, he's four years older than Case Keenum. 
And he has one or two, year, two years left on his Chiefs deal at like $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. And they got Pat Mahomes ready to roll as a first-round pick. They traded up to get Pat Mahomes. Yeah, he's going to play next year. If you can get Alex Smith for a reasonable price, let's say a third-round draft pick, mm-hmm. would you rather pay a third-round pick and $20 million for Alex Smith or $20 million and, let's say, a three-year guaranteed deal? But you don't give up the draft pick for Case Keenum. And I'll bring you this evidence. Alex Smith... Had a 104.7 passer rating, the best in the NFL this year. So better better than Case Keenum. He had more touchdowns than Case Keenum. He had uh, more yards. than. So there's all these little things. And I would argue his infrastructure wasn't as good as Case Keenum's infrastructure. Matthew brought that up yesterday, too. Uh, so you so to, to just like laugh off any other option outside the organization, I think would be a mistake. I do think there's a somewhat decent chance they could look at options like Alex Smith if the price tag is... 18 to 20 million dollars a year on a case Keenum. And also my question is this, uh if Shermer leaves, which I'm pretty sure he's going to, who replaces him and what system does he run as well? So are are you going to have I mean Keenum, listen, offensively if you look at how things have worked for this team, it's played out almost perfectly as far as as guys who have stepped in and played and the system's been fantastic and Shermer's been great. But if you're going to go to a different system, does that change the dynamic? Can Keenum play in that system? There's a lot of fa- factors here. I just think or- organizationally, if you're looking at this realistically, question one, do you want to pay Keenum stupid cash? My answer, no. It's one year. Do I in my heart of hearts think that he is now in for a six-year run of greatness? Probably not. Question two, Teddy, if you can bring him back at a reasonable price, do you? I say absolutely. Why not? He he, he was your guy, and he could come back and be the guy. And then question three, is Bradford an option? And I got to think that after essentially at least three procedures of some sort on that left knee, that you have to begin to say at his age, he's probably done. He's probably he's, done. He's done as a starter. I'm not ready to say that he can't hold a clipboard and play five games or something. But, but, I, yeah. but don't, don't you think that somebody's going to come along and say, we will give you an ex- excellent opportunity to start? This league is so starved for players. Not if, they think, not if they think he's as done as you just illustrated. I think some teams won't think that, though. I really think that. Uh, so, it's, I mean, it, it, it's interesting just to watch what they're going to do in the playoffs, obviously. And then after that, it's going to be a, a fun off season too. Let's come back with our Write That Down predictions. The first Write That Down session of 2018 and a huge accountability session, Mackie and Judd.